0: Open up in your Bibles, if you could, to Acts chapter 17. Our text is Acts chapter 17, verse 26. The scripture reads here, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. May God bless the reading of his word. The title of my sermon this morning is Racism. I'm going to deal with the topic of racism. Racism. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks and praise to you that we can look at scripture in regards to this topic that is all the hubbub in our national media. Lord, you see the division that it's been used to create in our country, uh, people with political, political opportunists using it to break up relationships, to divide. And Lord, we just ask and pray that we would see things more clearly as we look at your word this morning. And we ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. There is an attempt going on to divide people based on skin color in this nation. A concerted effort by the news media, by the entertainment media, by the education industry, particularly at the college level, by numerous government officials and even by some ministers and pastors. The news media has been building this scenario through their selective reporting and blatant censorship. They have an agenda to make black people out to be victims and white people to be racist and evil. And by selective reporting and blatant censorship, they're able to create such falsehoods in people's minds. It's evil. Hollywood has been producing films for decades, making people view the world through such a prism. Over the last several years, they have ramped things up with films which outright provoke hatred for white people by demeaning and belittling them, and do so at times in the most debased sexual ways. It is evil. If it was black people being treated that way, the outcry would be thunderous. I'm old enough to have seen this all before, guilt manipulating the younger generation of white people, making them feel bad for being white making black people feel like they are victims. We have a political form in this country that is all rooted in racism. They claim to be against racism. They're the biggest racists, the leftists, the Democrats. GOP's scared spitless about it, and they just keep their mouths shut. This pulpit won't. This pulpit will not. Supposedly this latest bout has to do with police brutality against black people. I have been and will continue to be an outspoken critic of the police and their tactics. We have created a police state and it needs to be curbed. But I've done significant study into this matter. (laughs) The problem is the training that police officers receive. Not to mention many who want to go into such a field in the first place have control issues and that police departments look for not the smartest of people to make up their force. They prefer a certain psychological profile. And the studies have shown that this idea that black people are treated horribly by the police compared to other skin colors simply isn't so. Studies have shown, the statistics show, it's garbage. It's a myth. Police have a problem with all people. White, black, brown, doesn't matter. Police are their own worst enemies. They are condescending, a significant number are brutal, and the rest cover up their brutality with the blue shield. If you think this propaganda to create a race war in this nation, because that's exactly what they're trying to do, has no effect just because it hasn't personally affected you. I know that's the standard for Americans. It hasn't personally affected me. Why should I care? If you think this propaganda has no effect, you should go to the universities and see what it is doing to the young. I do go there. I know what it's doing to them. The hatred is massive towards white people, and it is growing. I could tell you conversations and show you comments on Facebook that would send chills down your spine, that would disgust you, that would astound you. The hatred is being manufactured by the news and entertainment medias, by the education industry, by politicians and even some ministers. It is by design, and it is growing. So what does scripture have to say about this matter of racism and what should be our response as Christians? Let's begin with our text, Acts chapter 17, verse 26. When you read it, it says, and he, God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. We are all from one blood. There is only one race. It's the human race. When I looked up the definition for race, the first dictionary I looked at didn't even mention a definition for race to include skin color. The second one said this, quote, a group of people identified as distinct from other groups because of supposed supposed physical or genetic traits shared by the group. And then it said this, most biologists... And anthropologists do not recognize race as a biologically valid classification, in part because there is more genetic variation within groups than between them. Merriam-Webster, I looked up them after that, defined race as the following. Number one, the act of running. Number two, a strong rapid current of water flowing through a narrow channel. Number three, a set course or duration of time. Number four, a contest of speed. Number five, a track or channel which something rolls or slides. Again, nothing about skin color at all in Merriam-Webster when you look up race. Understand race and racism is a leftist construct in our day. These are the people who are haters, but call everyone else haters. Here is how Merriam-Webster defines racism. Number one, a belief that race is is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Number two, A doctrine or political program based on the assumption of racism and designed to execute its principles. A political or social system founded on racism. That last part would be the leftists. It would be leftist thought in politics, socialist thought in politics. They accuse others of being racist, but they are the racists. Their politics are rooted in racism. Always dividing people for their own political advantage. I will not go into the history of all this, but everyone has been affected by it in America. Everyone has been played by the leftists regarding racism at one point or another in their life, if not their whole life. They are evil people. I grew up in Detroit around them. They are evil people. Again, I learned long ago that the people who talk most about racism tend to be the most racist people of all. The leftist goal is to divide Americans with hate based on skin color. Whites are racist devils, and blacks are the victims of these racist devils. That is the bottom line of all their endeavors. In the past, and it is still taught by some in our day, some people and some ministers tried to use the Bible to oppress black people and justify slavery in this nation. The scriptures do not teach that. We're all one blood. We're human beings. We're people. When people used the Bible to oppress black people and justify slavery in our nation, they were involved in what we call false teaching. Of course, there's never been any of that in the history of Christianity. So the leftists in our day want to use such things to guilt trip white people and victimize black people, make them into victims. Yeah, and they, ha- they have an end for that. Why they want to make it? Because they want to use them for their political purposes. I'm from the ghetto of Detroit, I know. They like to use poor people, period, for their political purposes. And that's why I despise it, because I was raised in that environment where politicians used you for their ends. That's why freedom and liberty matters to me. You know, one of the reasons some people don't do anything for the pre-born is because we live in a culture where everyone wants to be a victim. If you talk about true injustice, actual oppression, the slaughter of the preborn, then your victimhood wanes in comparison. Doesn't it? The race baiters of today, and they are huge in number, the race baiters of today want the whole nation to believe that all white people are racist and all black people are victims of white racism. All this stuff going on with the NFL is rooted in that, in in dividing us as a people, by claiming everything's racist. This week we had a librarian at a government school in Massachusetts declare that she would not accept Mrs. Trump's Dr. Seuss books because they're racist. Dr. Seuss is now being accused of racism. It knows no end. That's the point. They hate Christ. They hate America. They want to root out everything and make it a socialist hellhole worse than it already is. I mean, I've lived 57 years now. You're amazed. Well, they kind of reached the apex. They can't really make things any worse. No, they can. There's always more to corrupt. There's always more evil to, you know, explore, (laughs) to plumb into. Even when it comes to sexual matters, it's the same way. That's when you think the sodomites have gotten everything they want. No, they find something new. The sexual depravity never ends. The political lawlessness and filth never ends. They can always make it worse. And I've watched it all my life. While the Christians sit by playing violins in Rome while it's burning to the ground. The Christians, you know, the ones who have no interest in the preborn either. The ones who, they're the people who break the law speeding to get to the Bible study to tell everyone once they're at the Bible study how wrong it is to break the law to protect a preborn child from being murdered. You know, those Christians. That's the type of Christianity we have in this country. It's a stench in the nostrils of God. Planned Parenthood has slaughtered millions of black people. And we have a statue honoring the founder in the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. Do you hear any outcry from the leftists? Zero. Because it ain't about that. It's about their political agenda. As warped and crazy as it is. When Obama was running for president, you know how many times I was called a racist because I was against Obama? I was against Obama because I despised leftist ideology. That's why I was against Obama. You know how many white people I met along the way who called me a racist? And you could tell they were white guilt manipulated people. Because it's been going on for decades. To make you feel bad about, because it's all part of the leftist politic. Plain and simple. What we're dealing with here, from a biblical perspective, is human nature. Human nature. The leftist is wicked because of human nature. White men enslave black people because of human nature. White people enslave white people because of human nature. Black people enslave black people. Read history because of human nature. Red people join the federal government to oppress red people because of human nature. Because you should always look out for number one. That isn't a new thought that just came up in 1972 in a commercial. That's the thinking of man is his nature. Look out for number one. Enrich yourself off the suffering of others. Use the backs of others for one's own ends. It goes on all the time. Some of you have probably seen it in your workplaces, right? Little people climbing up. The st- they'll stomp on anybody, climb up the little corporate ladder, you know? What we're dealing with is human nature. The truth is there are good and bad people in all ethnicities, in all cultures, in all nations. That's something I've learned over my 57 years. There's good and bad in all. There is no institutional racism in America. I gladly debate anybody on it. Let's define what institutional racism is, laws and policies. There is no institutional racism in this country. But there always has been individuals, and always will be, who don't like others because they are different than them, based on the color of their skin or their culture, ethnicity, language, or whatever, because of human nature. And that is wrong. Christian people should not imbibe upon that. That should not be a part of our Christian makeup. In fact, all of heaven will be made up of all ethnicities, all skin colors, all languages. It's going to be an amazing place. The reason we'll all be able to get along is because we all love Jesus. Not because the state hammered us into all getting along. That never works. Ever. Read history. Diversity only works under Christ, not under the state. So how should we respond as Christians? How should we respond to what's going on? About a month ago, there was this Facebook Facebook thread. Horrific talk against white people. Some Black Lives Matter people were involved on it. It was pure hatred towards white people, pure evil. Here's what I said in the face of this thread, which if I read, I couldn't even read the things said to you. And the parts I could read to you, you'd just be like, what? Here's what I said when I posted what a black brother had put up from his conversation with these folk. He screenshotted it. I don't really know how to screenshot. And he screenshotted it. I put up what was said, and here's what I wrote for the post. Having been to the universities, I have watched this kind of talk become more and more common. I can only imagine what this fall will be like. May we stay faithful to Christ and win men to him, even in the midst of the leftist design to spread mindless hate. Love conquers all. 1 Corinthians 13. That's precisely how we as Christians should respond is with the love of Christ, with the truth of his word to men. Jesus changes people. Let me tell you about where I grew up and my experience, just in brief. Some of you have actually been there when we've done tours for the preborn over in Detroit where I grew up. And I've had numerous of you come up to me privately. You grew up around here. Yeah, I did. I was born in 1960, grew up as a boy during the 60s, back when there actually was injustice towards black people and institutional racism. Not this laughable, made-up stuff they got going now. I grew up in Detroit, so, where I lived, I was a minority in the midst of a. I lived in a macro culture called America. I lived in a micro culture called Detroit, where I was a minority. In 1973, they bought busing into Detroit to force all the black people and white people to go to school together. All that caused was all the white people to send their kids who had the money. Out to the suburbs, they all left. What white people were left? Left. Detroit became the, the most black-populated city in America. Over 80%. I was one of the poor people, <laughs> one of the poor white people staying in Detroit. So I was a minority in a culture where I was. In a majority country, all the world was teaching me at this time how bad white people were towards black people. That was every day. I had never mistreated anyone because they were black. I had always been taught to treat black people respectfully as I was taught to do so with all people. By my parents. I learned to dislike black people because of how black people treated me. And this is not to be said in America because it only can work one way, where white people mistreat black people. People are people. We're dealing with human nature. There are black people who hate white people. There are white people who hate black people. And on down the line, go through every nationality, every skin color, every ethnicity. So this was odd. I'm being told I'm bad because I'm white and treat black people badly, but I'm being treated badly by black people because I'm white. Okay? Okay? I've been literally on the back of the bus when the pack mentality kicks in and all the white people get beat up. I've been there. Or at school when the fire alarm is pulled and all the white kids get beat up as they come through the vestibule area. The first school they, it was already bad enough, the school I was at. Then they sent me off, because I was white, to like, this area where there's like almost no white kids. The first thing they did on the very first day was pull the fire alarm, beat the crap out of us, off that out crap later, beat the snot out of us in the vestibule area. You're outnumbered 20 to 1. All you can do is take it. Yeah, I've been there, okay? That's what I grew up in. So don't try to sell your leftist, racist, nonsense scenario to me. Yes, I could tell dozens of awful stories, several of them very personal. Suffice it to say, I learned to hate black people, not because they were black, but because of their discrimination towards me, because of how they treated me. So I joined a gang. I began to fight them, target them attacked them, fought their gangs, firebombed their houses, firebombed their cars, and on down the line. That's my life pre-Christ. Then one day, shortly before turning 18 years old, I came to know Jesus. He radically changed my life. I was forgiven of my sin, which was a heavy load. My sin was deep. I was evil. I was a bad person. Wicked. I became a new creature, and among the myriad of other things he did in that transforming moment, he took away my hatred for black people. How should we respond as Christians? like I said in the Facebook post, we respond with love. We demonstrate love towards those who hate us and we declare to them truth. And that includes the leftists who want to use the racist agenda to destroy America, to breed hate amongst people. The truth of the gospel needs to be told to them. Jesus loves you. I love you. It makes a huge difference when people understand that you love them. It's one of the things that I learned from my time out on the campus. You can be the best debater all day long, win all the arguments all you want. If they don't think you love them, it means nothing. It's a huge deal. When I went out with Jason, I learned more of how important that is because they knew Jason loved them. That's like a huge thing. You have to love people. We break the lies of the leftists. And what message do you give them? in addition to the truth of God's word and the gospel? Do we give them a message of victimization and dependency so we can exploit them for our own ends? That's what the leftist does. When I spoke against this Article 5 convention at our state capitol earlier this year, the big leftist senator who's now running for governor says to me, Oh, Reverend Chuel, if we embrace your thinking. And she went through this long list of all the evils that would then be would come upon our land. So people wouldn't be eating, they wouldn't be getting health care. And then she said, People will die. Die And she went into this long thing. I'm sitting there thinking to myself the whole time she's talking Thank you for this softball Jesus. That's what I'm thinking. So then I just pulled out my six guns and blasted the living daylights out of her and told her I have no respect for politicians who use poor people for their own political purposes. And I explained how I grew up in the ghetto. And I saw your leftist politics and what it does to people there destroys them. And all the GOP guys who were sitting up there who hated me for speaking against the Article 5 suddenly liked me. Because they will never speak against the leftist. They'll actually try to outgive the leftist through the public purse. They're so dumb. But they love that I was just smacking her around the room, verbally speaking. No, we do not give them a message of victimization and dependency. Rather, we tell them to follow Christ and be productive. Where I came from, I made it out. I spent years still living in bad places, even with my family. Finally left, you know, when I was living in the ghetto areas for good when my oldest kids, who were 12 and 13 at the time, had guns pulled on him by thirteen and fourteen year old. I'm done with this. So yeah, Maxwell lives out in this. I live in a dumpy looking house where all the nice houses are. <laughs> so I have to deal with all the suburban thinking, which, if you know me, drives me insane. So it's crazy. Submit to Christ and His rule, work hard, be productive. Will all be rosy? No, because life is what it is. There will be hardships, setbacks, tragedies perhaps. But you look to Christ, you walk with Jesus. Your life is radically different. In other words, it's the same message we give to any and all young men in our day. That's our message. Live godly, live for Christ. Work hard. Raise a family, establish a home. The scriptures are clear that we are to love our neighbor as ourself. The scripture says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? What that's telling us is if you don't love God first, you can't truly love your neighbor. That's what all of American Christianity has been doing to the sodomite. I'll just give you a pass on your sin because, yeah, I live in a culture that says it's not a sin. That says it's okay. I'll just I'll make some apologies for God. And and pee down my leg and And on and on and on, right? It's disturbing to watch. And that's why so much of Christianity is silent to the sodomite because they don't actually love God themselves, these Christians. So they won't tell the sodomite the truth he needs to hear. They won't tell the culture the truth they need to hear regarding this racist nonsense that the leftists have foisted upon the nation. Why? Because they're all worried. Well, Pastor Matt, you have it easy. You get to go up in your pulpit and say it. I work Where I work, we're taught to think politically correct. And you can lose your job if you don't think or speak politically correct. Right. That shows you how all-pervasive the leftist agenda is and how much they've accomplished in this country. Yeah. It's been my experience also that the vast majority of white people and the vast majority of black people get along with each other just fine. We're all one blood. We're human beings. We're people. It's a small little group of people who want to divide everybody along those lines. So anyways, keep realistic. The media wants to warp everybody's perceptions. Stay realistic. Stay close to Christ. Be faithful and true to him. Amen? May we show love to our neighbor. May we take this thing head on. And I'm telling you, it's huge at the universities. And you have to love them. You have to love him, and you have to love them. You can actually hazard your life at times. That's how bizarre it's gotten. But it needs to be done. So don't aid and bet people in their victimization and dependency. Don't do it. I come from there. That isn't what they need to hear. They don't need you stroking their arms saying, oh, yes, oh, poor you. Look where you were raised. No, they need to be called to repentance like everyone else and faith in Christ like everyone else. And they need to hear the message of doing right by the Father. Work hard. Be productive. Marry. Have children. Establish a home. That's what they need to hear. Let's stand up we'll close a word of prayer. Hallelujah, Father. We give thanks and we give praise to you for this time that we had to address this matter in our nation. And God, I just ask and pray that you would use what was said here for good. Lord, I ask and pray that we would be faithful and true to you. That we would recognize evil for what it is. And that we would respond as you would have us to. That we would demonstrate our love and that we would declare truth as we speak. Be glorified, O God, through the life of each one here, I pray. Lord, any that may have hatred in their hearts toward others... Based on skin color, ethnicity, or any of those things, oh Lord, I ask and pray that they see it for the sin that it is, and they turn from it. Praise Your holy name, Father. May You be glorified through each one of us here. May You be glorified in each home represented here. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Could be seated. You can feel free to take communion with us as long as you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, please do not take communion. The Lord's table is open to all who are believers here at Mercy Seat. If you're not a Christian, we ask that you not take communion, as the Lord's table is for believers to observe only. The Apostle Paul wrote of the Lord's table in 1 Corinthians 11, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Amen? Amen. So when we're at his table, there's only these two elements here. There isn't these two elements plus a list of all my good works or a list of all my holy living. Right? Just this. Showing it's through Christ whereby we're accepted of the Father plus nothing the holy living that I do, the good works that I demonstrate, those things are the result of my saving faith in Christ. The fruit or the evidence of my saving faith in Christ. In other words, I don't do those things to try and obtain God's acceptance. Rather, I do them because I have obtained His acceptance. And that's important for us to remember at His table. This is a great salvation that He has provided us with. May we make it known to men. Let's pray. Father, I give thanks and praise to you for this time that we have at your table. Use it for good in the heart and mind of each one gathered here. This coming week, O God, may they think upon just how awesome this great salvation is. May they plumb some of the depths of the unsearchable riches of Christ Not meaning that they're not to be found when unsearchable is used, but they're never end, they're that deep. You just keep finding more. Lord, may each one understand how great and awesome this salvation is, your mercy is towards us. May we love you, Lord, and may we love others. Be glorified here, I pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit as we observe your table. May each one understand these things better in the days ahead. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Hallelujah, Father. Let's stand and we'll worship Him. And then I'll close in prayer. I'll praise to You, O God. Blessed is your name. Be glorified here, we pray. Lord, I ask and pray that each one would glorify you in their homes this week, that each man would be a priest and open your word to his wife and to his children, that the family would sit and talk about the things of you, that we would pray together, that we'd even worship together, O God. Lord, may we build strong homes. May others desire May they see the goodness, desire it in their lives. May they see the goodness of it and want that. May we point them to you in all your goodness. We give thanks to you, O God. Watch over each one. Keep us hungry for you, desirous for you, humble before you. Use us in some way to bring glory to your name this coming week, I pray. And we ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.